Well, good morning. You know, uh, nobody warned us about ice storms down here. <laughs> so uh, we have this nice house that we've just moved into, and, um, and the driveway is shaped like this. You know what I'm saying? So on Thursday night, I got home late, and uh, it took me 40 minutes to get the car into the garage. I, I'm not joking when I say that number. I pulled into the driveway, and I stopped. It's like I wasn't getting up, you know? And so I stopped, and I put it in park, and I got out of the car, and I shut the door, and the car slid past me down to the... And I'm watching it going on. I'm like, this isn't good, you know? And it gets to the bottom, and it kind of stops. You're like, well, at least it stopped there, you know? So I go in, and I get my wife, and the two of us are trying to wrestle with the thing. We finally got it up into the garage. Uh, you know, we ended up doing the serpentine thing where we're weaving back and forth across the driveway. Finally got it up in. And uh, our main goal was just to get it off the driveway so it didn't end up in the street in front of a plow in the middle of the night, you know? We have, uh, we have been thrilled to be here and be walking through uh, a couple of different series. The series we're in now, Conversations with God, Cultivating a Passion for Prayer, Conversations with God. You know, it's Christmas. This week, we're all, you know, we're finishing up getting gifts for people and wrapping. Some of us put our presents out under the tree ahead of time just to say, see how big the gift I got you is, you know? those kinds of things. And we're enjoying just the laughter and the time with family and the plans of getting away. And it's a great time to just relax and reflect. Imagine Mary, probably about 15 years old, spending a time where she is, as the scriptures tell us, betrothed, engaged. She's about ready to be married. She's trying to figure out this next step of her life as she's going, wow, Big steps coming. And one time, she is visited by an angel. And the angel says, you will be with child. You are blessed. Mary, the Lord is with you. And as she hears these words and begins to contemplate, like she gets it. I mean, honestly, if I'd have heard the words the way it's written, I probably would have thought to myself, well, eventually, I hope I am with child. I mean, I am engaged to be married, there probably will be a point where, but she grasped it. She said, how could this be when I haven't been with someone like that? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. The very Son of God will be with you. And Mary said, let it be as you said. Wow, I'm ready to go on this adventure. As Mary begins to think this through, she was also told about Elizabeth, a relative of hers who's going to be with child, who is advanced in years, the scripture says. And so Mary being young in years and Elizabeth being advanced in years, Mary goes to visit her, probably to get some wisdom. What do we do here? What's God doing? And as she's spending time with Elizabeth, the first words off Elizabeth's mouth are, blessed are you among women. The older saying it to the younger. In their culture, wow. The older saying to the younger, I'm amazed that my Lord and Savior is in your womb. Mary, God has blessed you. And through you, he's blessing me and the rest of the world. Mary went off to ponder. You've got to be kidding me. That's where we're going to pick up today. When we look at prayer conversation with God, one piece to prayer that we need to look at is the power of praise. 
when God is at work in our lives, how do we lift up His name? What is the best way for us to go about praising Him when we see His hand at work in our lives? Mary gives us a great role model example in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 56. So let's turn there. Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 56. The ushers are going to be coming forward. They've got some Bibles. We're going to be going through this verse by verse. So if you don't have your Bible, just raise your hand. We'd love to get one into your hands, okay? Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 56. I'll start reading. And Mary said, remember this is after just being wowed. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant for behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him and from generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained there about three months and returned to her home. Mary's lifting it up. Mary's bringing it. How do we praise him? You know, the very first point, reflect and rejoice in what he has done in your life. Mary starts out right in the world of Mary. Reflect and rejoice in what he has done in your life. Some of you may even have right above there in bold, it says the Magnificat. Some of you have that in your Bibles. That's actually a Latin translation this, when the Bible was translated into the Latin, they started out with the word magnify, magnificat. Here it says, my soul magnifies the Lord, right? So this is Mary magnifying the Lord. Now, if we're going to get this straight, we have to be a little careful because Mary's going into poem. She's going into high poetry here, okay? And when you think of English poetry, it kind of goes, da 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 Right? It's like there's this rhythm to it. And when the rhythm isn't there, you're like, oh, that was horrible poetry. Right? And all we're talking about is the rhythm to it or the rhyming, right? It'll end and the word better come close to rhyming. And if it's not close, you're like, that was a stretch. I didn't like that poem. Right? That's English poetry. Okay. Hebrew poetry. No rhythm, no rhyme. That's not what it's about. Hebrew poetry. Take a phrase, put a second phrase with it. The first phrase and the second phrase are going to be somehow related to each other. So let's pop that up. I put some things together here. So those of you who like academic moments, here it is, okay? Here's your academic moment. All right. So synonymous. Basically, the one phrase is going to restate the first phrase, okay? So there's one phrase and it restates the next. We got a great example where we start out here. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Hear how it's kind of the same statement? So that's the synonymous. The synthetic, that's like you say something and then you say more about it. There's a great example that comes down a little ways. Um, let's see, where's it at? He who is mighty has done great things. Holy is his name. Done great things. Holy is his name. Extending, okay? So you've got synonymous, repeating, uh, synthetic, extending, and then antithetic is opposites, 
okay? So a lot of times when you read Hebrew poetry, you're going to kind of, if you're not thinking this way, you're going to go, they're just wandering all over the place. I don't even understand what they're doing. Didn't they just say that? The point is to kind of look at how they're related to each other. She's trying to make points by saying this, even more so, think of it this way. That's the power of Hebrew poetry. Or this, as a matter of fact, not this. That's the power of Hebrew poetry, okay? So as we go through Mary's praise song this morning, let's think from a Hebrew mindset. Everybody ready to put your Hebrew mind in? So take that Western English rhyming rhythm thing and set it aside, okay? Here we go, Hebrew poetry style. Ready? All right. Verse 47. Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My soul, my spirit, that very inner part of me that is so in tune with who God is, that part is screaming out, magnify the Lord, bring it to him. I'm rejoicing. That's what I've got going on inside of me right now. I can't contain it. I trust you. This song was not sung like this. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit is, it was lifted up. My soul magnifies the Lord. I am amazed at what he's doing. She is unbelievably wowed with God's plan for her, and for all of mankind. My soul, my spirit, magnify the Lord. Rejoice in God, my Savior. In God, my Savior. You know, just a little point to make here. We're not going to beleaguer this, okay? But Mary is saying, I have a God. I have a Savior I have a Lord. I need him and I am leaning on him. This is an important little moment to understand. As she looks up and she reflects and says, my Savior, Mary, in need of a Savior. Mary, just like you and me, Romans chapter 3, there is none righteous, no, not one. Mary, just like you and me, in need of God himself, and his forgiving hand, and his provision. And she's getting the picture that that God is going to use her in that plan. Wow. Wow. So this first one is really a synonymous parallelism, okay? This is that moment where the two phrases are saying the same thing. The next one, she does the same, another synonymous. She says, for, purpose statement, why am I lifting up him? Let me tell you why. Why am I magnifying him? Why am I rejoicing in him? Why is my soul so stuck on him? Here is why. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. As a matter of fact, I would say, behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. He has looked on me, God himself, looking upon my humble estate and putting me in a better spot. Me, his servant. Again, my Savior, and I am his servant, and I am awed that he is looking upon me, my God, stepping down into my world to touch my life for all eternity. I'm amazed. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Behold, now 
on all generations will call me blessed. Remember, we just heard Elizabeth saying, blessed are you among women. That's a role reversal. The older telling the younger, I'm amazed and awed with you. And Mary is saying, this is just unbelievable and unwarranted. I am lifted from a humble estate and I am brought to a position of full honor with you. So we have a synonymous parallelism first, another synonymous parallelism, and now in verse 49, for, again, another purpose statement, he who is mighty has done great things for me. He who is mighty has done great things for me. He who is mighty, God himself, all power, all strength, all ability. He has done great things for me. What great things has he done for Mary? I mean, truthfully, he's caused people to question whether she's been unfaithful. He's caused a very awkward situation between her and Joseph. He's caused, I mean, think of the things Mary could have been complaining about. I'm not sure I'm really comfortable with being pregnant right now. This wasn't really the plan. I was kind of thinking it would be out here in time. And I was thinking that there would be a great celebration rather than a lot of question marks. I was thinking that'd be a good idea. How about that, God? Does Mary go that way? No way. She says, you know what? It wasn't my plan. Your plan is bigger. It wasn't my plan. Your plan is better. It wasn't my plan. Help me get in line with your plan. I'm going your way, God. Let's go after it with all we've got. You've done great things with me. You've given me the privilege of having the Son of God within me. I am awed. I am awed by what you're doing. He who is mighty has done great things. Holy is his name. You see, he's doing great things, but he is capable of nothing else but great things. That's what's going on there, the extension of it, right? He's doing great things. He is absolutely like nothing else. He is set apart. Holy is his name. Wow. I'm amazed with who he is. Everybody say, wow. That's where we're going with this. As we go through what God is doing in our lives, it is wow. It is I am awed. I cannot believe what you're doing, God. I would never have thought of it this way. Sometimes I might even want to complain about it being this way. But I get that you are unbelievable. Wow. I'm starting to settle into this picture, God. I am reflecting and I am beginning to rejoice in what you're doing in my life. Wow. You know, at first, it's rejoice. She said, I want to magnify you. Be happy. Get on it. Celebrate it. Then she said, you have looked upon me in my humble estate. Graciousness. She's saying, I'm going to be celebrating your graciousness. And now we're looking at this mighty piece. You are mighty. Not only gracious, but mighty. And third piece here, she says, and his mercy is for those who fear him. You are mighty. You are merciful. You have wowed me with what you've got, God. His mercy, you know, holding back things that we deserve. Mercy. We deserve to be punished, but you're not bringing that to me. Mercy. Graciousness is giving me things that I didn't deserve. Wow, you've lavished a great gift on me. But mercy, you're holding something back too. His mercy is for those who... Fear him. 
fear him. How long does it last? Extension. From generation to generation. What do we learn from this verse? She says, your mercy never changes. Your mercy, always trustworthy. Your mercy, always available. For whom? Those who fear him. Wow. We have a God who is gracious and mighty and merciful. We have a God that we can raise our hands to and say, I am awed with what you are doing in my life. There are times where I am confused, but God, I know you are holy and I am willing to lift you up. Amen? That's where we have to get going. What is the power of praise that we put on our lips that I am in awe and I rejoice in your name, Lord. I rejoice in who you are. You know, it's Christmas time. We love putting those gifts out under the tree. And uh, we love to uh, get together with relatives. We actually get together with my parents, um, typically have done this on Christmas Eve. And our kids get to open a few gifts gifts from uh, Grandma and Grandpa. And uh, there was a year when our oldest, Megan, was just two years old. And uh, we were uh, at Christmas time. Alyssa had not been born yet. And a Megan wanted a doll. And so my mom got her a doll, but my mom didn't just get her a doll. You know, it was one of those dolls that comes in a box that's like this, you know? And so as she walks up, she's looking at this gift like it's as bigger than her. And she's reaching up over this gift as she's starting to tear the paper off. And she's tearing it off line by line. And, and we're watching her and watching her face. And the eyes were like saucers as she's tearing this thing open. And she tears off and turns out she torn the paper off the backside. So we can see the doll. And all she sees is cardboard, you know. And she's just looking like her eyes are in awe. And I take the thing and I turn it around towards her. And you should have seen her mouth drop. <gasps> as there's this little doll and a stroller, and, a, and the list just goes on and on, right? It had the all-inclusive everything deal. And so we start taking this thing apart, okay? And so now comes the Christmas struggle, right? And so the dial has been wire-wrapped in, like with 50 million wires. You know what I'm talking about? And you're sitting there twisting, and you're like bleeding on the fingers, and you're like, we're going to get this. Don't worry, kid. And she's just going, come on, give it to me, right? And you're trying to get it off. When we finally got that little doll out of the box, and we handed it to her, she would not let that baby go. She was walking around with it and holding it. It was in a stroller, and she was pushing it. She was jumping into Grandma and Grandpa's lap to say thank you for it. She was enamored with what she had, and she was reveling in it. C.S. Lewis says that you actually do not end up experiencing a closure on delight until you praise the person that you're enjoying the time with. Whether it be across the table from one you love, whether it be with a little child, whether the child with you, the time of full enjoyment when it's absolutely closed down is when you can voice back your joy and your praise in the moment. Capping it leaves it open. And as she ran around just all excited and chattering and thanking and talking and showing and looking and delighting and moment by, that's what we need to be with God in our lives. The work that he's doing in your life, we are so enamored with, we are so enjoying that we can't help but spill over at the seams as we talk to people about the changes in our life, as we share with them the true joy of knowing a God who is mighty, who is merciful, who is gracious, who has changed this part of my life, who has changed this part of my family life, 
who is providing for me in ways I can't even begin to explain, but let me try. As we pour out that praise in prayer and in thankfulness, you begin to experience the full delight of knowing him. Question, what is it that God's doing in your life right now, right here? Maybe today, maybe over the last week. What's the work that he's involved with, with you? Your heart, your soul, your spirit, your environment, your situation. What's he doing? Are you closing the gap on delight by praising him for it and thanking him for it? Maybe even sharing it with other people? The power of praise in prayer is bringing it back to God saying, I am awed with what you're doing. All too often we can get stuck in the me world of problems and go in, I'm not sure I wanted to be pregnant now. That wasn't Mary's statement. I am awed with your plan, God. Are you ready to praise him for what he's doing in your life? In the midst of some tough circumstances, he's still at work. Are you ready to praise him for the work he's doing in your life? We gotta be ready. We gotta go after it. There's nothing like experiencing the power of thankful praise in the midst of this world's circumstances. Second step, not just reflecting and rejoicing in what he does in your life, but reflecting and rejoicing in what he does in the world. In the world. The next couple of verses that Mary jumps into, she kind of gear shifts. She goes off of herself. She says here in verse 51, He has shown strength with his arms and has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Now remember the parallelism. He has shown strength with his arms, scattered the proud. Shown strength with his arms, scattered the proud. You hearing it? So we got to keep tying them together. Now, one more statement. In poetry, a lot of times we're going to use little terms like, God has arms. Really? I mean, we know in Scripture it says God is spirit. So what is this statement about arms? You know, this is a term where we start using human ways of speaking about things. He's got guns. That's really what she's saying here. He's got big guns, man. You should see what God's doing. That's what's going on. It's just a metaphor. It's trying to make a point. That's the way we talk about it today, right? You see some football player walking out in the field. He's totally ripped. You're like, that's not even human, right? And then the, the announcer says, that guy's got big guns, right? It's the compliment of strength. That's what she's saying. Arms of steel, totally strong. Wow, can this God move? Wow. How much can he move? Well, he scatters the proud. He scatters the proud. That's not an easy job. He's getting after certain people. Now, this phrase here, proud in the thoughts of their heart. Proud in the thoughts of their heart. In other words, inside, they're dreaming about meisms. Inside, it's like this awesome world of imagination that has to do with boastfulness and greatness on me. Proud in the thoughts of their hearts. As they reveal the truth self, it's the world by me and about me and for me. And God is resisting and working in those people's lives to either bring them humbly to him or to separate them away. Wow, she says. God at work in the world. But you know, he goes to the, she goes to the next verse and she says, 
He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. Now, here's where we get one of those opposites. She is brought down, but exalted up. God is brought down and exalted up. You hear in the opposite? So brought down those who are sitting on thrones of authority. You know what? God is so in charge that he is in charge of the kings, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He takes those kings and he says, sit down. He takes that ruler who is unbelievably proud and he says, enough, you're done, down. Wow. Wow, that's authority. And then he lifts up the humble and exalts them to estates that never would have happened on their own. We serve a powerful God. Amen? We serve a powerful God. And as Mary begins to explore the little bit of work that God's doing in this world, we begin to see how God might be at work in the world of the United States or how he might be at work in the state of Illinois. What's going on with the government? What decisions are being made? Don't worry. We have a God of strength. He's at work. Stay close. Stay wide awake. Watch his hand. Let's see what happens. God at work with the mighty. You know, she challenges here that the exalted are those of humble estate. Now remember earlier, she talked about herself as being one of humble estate. She has personal proof of this. I am a young girl from a Jewish tribe. I am being lifted up to carry the very son of God. Trust me, he works with the humble. God at work. I am amazed. The humble estates being lifted up. And then she says, he has filled the hungry with good and the rich he has sent away. Again, opposite. He has filled the hungry with good things. A good God giving good gifts. And he has taken the very rich and has sent them away empty. Why? Because they're rich? No, remember, the humble is what we keep seeing throughout this whole passage. What we've got is somebody who's more interested in their riches than in their position with God. They're more interested in what they own and how much privilege it gives them than who they know and how much privilege he gives them. And he sets them aside. God Almighty at work. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away. Again, an antithetic statement, an opposite statement. You know, God is at work in this world and we need to be powerfully praising him for what he's doing. There was a missionary who was uh, overseas in the jungles, uh, basically to go get supplies. It would take him a two-day journey there and a two-day journey back. So every two weeks, he would go on a four-day trek. And he would take a mountain bike and try to get through a little bit quicker. But there was a lot of tough roads to hoe. You know what I'm saying? So as he's going along, up and down and through, and two-day journey to get over there. And then he would get his supplies and whatnot, make the exchange, and then on his way home. So, of course, he's camping out overnight, one of those nights. Well, one of the times that he was coming through, he came across a man who had been injured. And he helped take care of the man. And he got the man to the city in order to be cared for and went back home with his supplies. The next time coming through and he got to the city, he met that man again. And the man said, I need to talk to you. And he said, yeah, what's that? And he said, you know, I was actually not as hurt as I let you think. 
The goal was actually that we find a man who had money and who had means, and then we were going to go back and rob you. And so we followed back with you that night. And when we got halfway back, we were going to attack in the dark. And as we stood up to attack, your guards stood up to protect. And I want to know where they came from. Like, I don't understand. And he said, I have no guards. I don't know what you're talking about. And he said, oh, you do. 26, very tall men, very bright. And I don't know what's going on. And he smiled and he said, let me tell you about my God. And he began to share with them about the power of God in his life and the protection that must have been from angels. And he explained it to him and the man was awed. You know, the missionary was back home in Michigan a couple of months later, I believe it was. And he was sharing this story. And he said, this is what happened. And one of the men came up to him and said, what day? And he said, well, a few months back and they nailed the day down. And he said, what time? And he nailed the time. And he said, I was on the golf course here because we're 12 hours different. I was teeing up. And as I was getting ready, I thought, I better be praying for him. So I took my bag and I set it aside. I just felt like the Lord was saying, get aside and do this. So I called up a couple of my friends and I said, we got to meet at the church. And their friends called their friends and we met at the church and we prayed for you for two hours. And I had no idea why. I've got my friends here with me today. We all came to hear you speak. 26 of them were there. There is power in prayer. And God is at work in this world. Make no bones about it. We serve a God of mercy and grace and righteousness and strength. And he is at work. He is at work with you and me protecting. He is at work in this world changing lives. And our power of prayer and praise is utilized by him as he works. How does that all work, Tim? Yeah, I don't know exactly how all of it works, but I can tell you this. God calling us to our knees to pray for others and to praise him for his strength. When we hear of stories where God is at work, we should do nothing other than say, I am in awe of who you are, God. Wow. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for who you are. How is God at work in the world around you? Not just in your life but in the lives of people you're coming in contact with. Are you seeing his hand, resisting some, protecting others, raising someone up? How do you see God at work? Look for him. If you're saying, I don't see him, open your eyes. He's not playing a game of hide and seek. We're too fixed on ourselves then. God at work in this world. You're going to see his hand everywhere when you start opening your eyes to it. Praise him for it. A mighty, gracious, merciful God changing the world we live in. Lift him up for it. There is no better way to delight in him than to close that delight with praise as C.S. Lewis challenges. So first, reflect and rejoice in what he's done in your life. Second, reflect and rejoice in what he's done in the world. And the last thing that Mary shows us here is reflect and rejoice in what he's doing in his chosen people. In his chosen people. We look in verse 54, it says, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our forefathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. So this is another one of those synthetics. This is another extender time, okay? So what we have going on here, she says, He has helped his servant Israel. How? Well, he promised a Messiah. 
He promised the righteous branch of David. Remember when we looked at that a few weeks ago in Jeremiah? He has promised that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is coming again. And now I'm being told the Son of God is within my womb. God at work. The King who will continue the Davidic branch right here. Israel being protected by the Messiah, Savior, God himself. He spoke to our forefathers and to Abraham and to his offspring. Who are the forefathers? Abraham and his offspring. So she's kind of taking the same statement. But she extends it one more thing. She says, to Abraham and to his offspring. Look at the word there. How long? What does it say? Forever. Forever. That's an extension. He has helped Israel, his nation, his chosen people. Forever. Always he's going to be working with us. He loves his people. He lives for his people. He's helping his people. Does God need his people? That would be a wrong statement. But he lavishes upon his people. That would be a right statement. We serve a God who in all means and measures wants to love and establish love and live within the confines of saying, my creation being lifted up for a purpose, to bring glory back, to bring glory back. Rejoice in the Lord. Great and magnificent, magnificent, to use the Latin style term. It's amazing who he is. You know, as we look at this passage, it's talking about the chosen people of Israel. Are we chosen people, though? We're actually told we're chosen people, right? But you are his chosen people. I mean, we're hearing this in the New Testament. So how does this work? You know, we are told that while there was a seed of Abraham that was working to bring Israel, there is also now our opportunity through faith in him to be called his child, through faith in him to be his own, for him to reach out, scoop us up, hold us close, so we can, as we've learned, call him daddy, and he can call us child. We are his chosen people. And we have a chance to be lifting up before him the thankfulness for what he is doing in his church. As he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Are you hearing it? I will build my church and I will guarantee its success. Can we praise God for what he's doing in his chosen people every single day? Can we praise God for what he is doing with his church every single day? As hearts are challenged, as lives are moved, as people are changed to look more like Jesus today than they did yesterday. Praise God. Amen? Now that's worth praising. When we can go through our day, when we read scripture, when we talk to a friend and we hear about God at work in his church to be able to say, I am awed with who you are, God. I understand the universal church, all believers, but I am proud too of the local church that you are at work in. Your hand at work, God, may you be magnified. Your hand at work. As we celebrate what God's doing in this church, whether it be through people who are coming to know him, or maybe it's through people who are in a small group and they're becoming more like him. Or maybe it's through opportunities to serve in this body. 
or serve in the community. As we celebrate and worship him and praise his name, as we all become more like him tomorrow than we look like today, praise his name. God at work in his chosen people. He's at work in your life. He's at work in the life next to you. And in this body, God at work. Now that's worth praising. God at work. Now that's worth thanking. As we look at Mary and we take this stroll down memory lane, Christmas time, can you imagine what it must have been like for her to be contemplating and realizing over time, the Son of God is within me. And then she's contemplating, what does Son of God mean? And she starts finding prophecy about the Son of God. And people are telling her, do you know what that means? And this righteous branch of David promise. And this, what? The king is in my womb? Are you kidding me? Moment by moment, as Mary begins to understand more and more, all the way to the point where even at the birth, where shepherds are coming, And angels are glorifying. Can you imagine? That didn't happen when our children were born. It's not a typical thing. Like, I think at some point somebody had to go, Mary, you understand this isn't normal, right? You know? Like, this is a big deal. And they were pondering these things deep in their heart as they came to this conclusion. God at work in my life, in the world around me, and in his chosen people. Jesus Christ, the righteous branch of David, the promise of salvation for you and me. We can have the same praise. We can have the same joy. We can have the same celebration at this time of Christmas as we recognize, as we look at the nativity birth and we see God working in our lives individually. We see him working in our world and we see him working in our people. Now that's worth learning to praise. I just want to challenge you with the C.S. Lewis statement. If you're used to delighting all the way up to the point of personal enjoyment and then doing no more, I challenge you with this today. Close the gap by simply saying, wow, God, I am amazed with who you are. Wow, God, thank you for what you did there. I am in awe of this. Look at what you did. Look at how you did it. Look at the beauty of this answer. Look at, look at, look at. Magnify him and rejoice in him as we begin to put our arms around and close down on being able to praise and experiencing power in praise there is nothing like a thankful heart to heal the hurting heart there is nothing like the thankful heart to heal the hurting heart when you go into colossians 3 and it talks all about the transformation going on the putting off and the putting on There's no secret that it says, be thankful, 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 three times over, right at the end. The power in praise. Let's just take a few moments now. Let's bow our heads and let's just reflect. As we are thinking through what God is doing in our lives, just take a few moments. Write something down in each area. What's God doing in your life? Right now, what's he doing in your life? What's he doing in the world around you? 
What's he doing in his chosen people? Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of times where we can be experiencing great pain. And in the midst of experiencing that pain, we often allow the praise to stop. And that's one of those times where we need to lift the praise up. Find his hand at work. Whether it be the little things or the big things, God is at work in your life. And there is power in releasing praise to him. Mary lifted it up with her voice. I guarantee you when she got done singing this song, she had a raspy voice. What is it that you could lift to God? Him at work in your life. Him at work in the world. Him at work in the chosen people. Let's just take a moment to pray, and then I'll close here. Just take a moment to lift it to Him. Father God, we are amazed with who you are. Keep correcting us when we don't see it. Your hand is at work, and we are in awe of who you are, how you're working in our lives personally, how you're working in those around us, in the world around us, how you're working with your chosen people, your hand at work. You are gracious. You are merciful. You are mighty. May you be lifted up. God, help us each as we go home to experience and understand in a deep way what it means to have a power of praise in our prayer life as we celebrate you at work. May we take the opportunities to delight and close those down completely with this understanding that you are at work and we bring praise to close it whole. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for your graciousness and your mercy, for your mightiness and your strength. We lift you up. Amen.